I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Welcome to Sick Boy, a podcast where we talk about what it's like to be sick. This week's guest is Whitney. She has Lee from Many's Syndrome. Let's talk about it. I feel like the clap club is a bad it sounds, thing in yeah, other I'm, places. Yeah, I mean, there's there's only two clap clubs, and there's one that you definitely don't want to be a part of. <laughs> what a uh, great start. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that is a good place to start. Uh, this has yeah. nothing to do with the clap. Uh, actually, we're going to but we are going to be talking about, um, we're going to be talking about something that, that, you know, the clap is typically um, typically surrounds the world of sex and sexuality. Um, and although that is not the road we're going down, it, uh, we are going down the road of uh, we're going down the booby road. Boobies are sometimes sometimes involved in in uh, the world of sex, but uh, but today we're talking about boobies from the perspective of breast cancer. But Whitney, there's also something else that we're talking about, and I've this is the first time I've ever heard this word ever. Please correct my pronunciation. Lee Fraumeni syndrome. That's close. Oh. So well, close. Can I try again? Sure. <laughs> Lie Frau Many syndrome? Warmer. Oh, Ooh. Jesus. Okay. You Lie you from Many. <clears throat> Lee from Lie from Many. New York. <laughs> <laughs> it's Saturday night. Um, Lee Fermini syndrome. Lee Fermini syndrome. Okay. Yeah. Now, is Lee Fermini syndrome and breast cancer directly related or are they two separate things? And we're going to talk about two separate things today. Two separate things. All right. All right. Well, where, where, where should we start, Whitney? Well, um, y'all want to start with boobs or do y'all want to start with um, genetics? Let's get the let's get the boring genetic stuff. Can you out imagine? Of the way first. Yeah. <laughs> can you can you imagine if that's if that was if that was like the uh, if that was the first word that the, the first statement that you heard from a per, per, per perspective like a potential partner like all right would you like to start with boobs or genetics or shall we start with genetics? <laughs> Honestly, I talk about boobs a lot. That's kind of become my job per se. So I really have to clarify, you know, what do you want to talk about? Do you want to talk about my boobs again? Or do you want to talk about this? So, um, yeah, we can talk about the boring stuff first. <laughs> let's yeah, let's, let's, let's get warmed up before we uh, go straight for the boobs. What's, uh, what, what are we, what, what are we talking about in terms of genetics? Yeah. So Lee Fermini, um, syndrome is a genetic disorder that I found out about after getting diagnosed at age 30 for breast cancer. Uh, my medical team was like, why in the world is this 30-year-old woman coming up in here with breast stage three breast cancer? Like, how did she get that? It's not, we don't see any markers in her family. Um, we need to do genetic testing. So Whoa. when I did genetic testing, um, after I started to do treatment, 
um, I just assumed that I had like the BRCA1, BRCA2. Those are kind of like the most popular ones that you can have. Um, but it turns out I have this condition called Lee Fermini, which by the way, I have to literally Google it every other time I write about it, have to spell it just because it's just so difficult and it's it's just a weird, it's named after the two doctors that found it. So that's why it has that funky name. But Dr. Um, Dr. Lee and Dr. Fraumini? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, actually one guy's Dr. Lee Frau. Lee space for and the other guy's Dr. Meany. They just decided they just to like mix it up like that. Yeah, Blend yeah, it up yeah, a bit yeah. differently. Yeah, yeah, totally. Cool. totally. <laughs> they were quirky. Um, what when you when you say BRCA one and BRCA two, is that like the common genetic characteristic or a common genetic um I don't, I don't know how to say it, marker, marker for for like a, a breast cancer? Or yes. it, so that's what you thought would come up initially, but then this Lee for many I'll never say it right. Lee Fermini, yeah. Lee Fermini. Yeah. Uh, line. Uh, marker came up instead. Is that, what, is that what you're saying there? Yeah, correct. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> so when I found that out, um, a part of me was a little bit relieved that it wasn't either the BRCA1, BRCA2, because that's all I heard about. Mm. All, all of the posters in the in the gyno office at the girl doctor, that's all that they, that's all the information that they had was just those two markers. And so I was like, okay, well, I don't want any of those because that's what I see all the time. This Lee Fermini thing sounds pretty manageable. Let's do that. Well, come to find out, that's not what I w- would want. That's not what anyone would want. Um, it's extremely rare uh, genetic disorder. One in 5,000 to one in 20,000 families uh, have are documented to have this. Hmm. So it's very, very rare. Um, they're, you know, getting more and more cases every year just because people are doing genetic testing as a part of treatment, which is hmm. great. Yeah. Um, and it's become so much more prevalent. I mean, as, like a, as like a consumer product for people to be doing genetic testing. Yeah, I was, well. I was thinking about that. It's, it's really interesting because I did, a, I did a genetic testing thing, like just, just out of curiosity. And um, when I got the... Like you're you're clicking through to like make the payment and order the test kit and so on, and uh, you get these sort of like disclaimers that come up and they're like, "Hey, not to scare you or anything, but like, are you sure you really want to do this? Because you could te- you could potentially find out something that might ruin your life." Basically, it's like, the, like, it's like, like that's yeah. the sentiment yeah. of it. Yeah, right? it's like the, because the Pandora's box question. It's like, are you sure? You want to open this. Yeah, and, and for me, my interest was my mom's adopted, and uh, I have an identical twin brother, so um, by nature of doing the, 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 DNA, the genetic test, um, we could just basically get 50% off because we just split it because we only need to, right. to test one, right. <laughs> one of our DNA and just be like, hey, it's a shared test now. Um, so I was really interested like from a, from a curiosity perspective um, to, to get my results, but... When I started reading this stuff, I was like, "Whoa! You could actually learn something that would Ooh. actually, like, scare could potentially scare the shit of you and yeah, change yeah. the way that you mm-hmm. you look I mean, at the rest of your life." We've had we've had people apply to the show who have who had found out that they are basically going like guaranteed to get Huntington's disease right, because, yeah. because of their their genetic testing, which yeah. is like you know, it, I mean, it's it's funny because like on one hand you can argue like, "Hey, that's a good thing to find out." Like it, like it's yeah. a good thing to know ahead of time. But on the other hand, it's like ignorance is bliss sometimes, and, and maybe it's not so great to find out. Um, Whitney, when you when you get this 
this um, this diagnosis of of and like would it be a diagnosis of Lee from any or mm-hmm. so yep, when you I, get when when you get the diagnosis like what what's going through your head like are you obviously you have no fucking clue what that means I, I'm I, I mean I don't want to assume that you didn't know but. I'm just assuming like you and most other people are like, I don't know what that means. Um, What, what was going through your head? Like when you got that diagnosis? So when I got it, um, I had no idea what it meant, what it, what it's going to mean for my life, future, any of that until probably I'd say six months to a year later. Now everyone around me knew what was going on, especially my husband. He was, he was more ahead of the game than I was. Um, I was in treatment mode. I was in, all right, let's get this shit out of my body. Let's, let's keep it moving kind of deal. Cause you're focusing on the cancer. You're going fuck Lee for many. I've got breast cancer. Like I want to, yeah, right, right. Yeah. So I'm like, let me just do that. Um, I can, I can do that. I can focus on that. And meanwhile, uh, my family was getting more and more educated about what Lee for means, where it came from. You know, we started doing some digging, you know, doing ancestry.com and trying to hunt for, you know, how did, how did I get this? Where did it come from? Mm-hmm. And all of those things. And, um, it just took me a while to really understand, Oh God, my life is going to be different. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be what I thought it was going to be. It's going to be different. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I went through that process, uh, you know, that was of course depressing and <laughs> like, you know, what, what am I going to do now? Or how, what's this going to look like? Um, you know, I married, when I found out I had breast cancer, this was six weeks after I'd just gotten married. Whoa. Oh God. Wow. Wow. So poor dude, like, you know, he's thinking that, you know, we're going to live happily ever after, which we are. But, um, you know, at the time, you don't you don't expect to hear that your new wife has this issue. And and now we have to go through breast cancer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And And just like a ton of uncertainty, obviously being brought up like immediately. Did you get to go on your honeymoon before or? No. Fuck. Oh no. Listen, so we so we got married on New Year's Eve uh of twenty sixteen and we had planned this huge uh Europe trip to go on that summer. So when I the, literally after I hung up the phone with my doctor after she told me, Hey Miss O'Connor, hate to be the one to tell you this, but you know, we you have breast cancer. I hang up and I'm like, shit, I gotta tell my family, my mm. new husband. And we're not going to go on our damn honeymoon. (laughs) Like that was like the third thing that I was so mad because we, you know, had spent all this time planning it and, and we saved a lot of money over two Mm. years to go on the trip. So we had to cancel it, but we ended up going on it the following summer. So it was fine. But, um, yeah, so it was just, uh, it was a really big, um, punch in the gut. Yeah. So well, what is well, Lee Fermini? What what, is, what does Lee Fermini syndrome mean? And what is it? What is it? Like, what is the implication? Um, what is the implication for, for, for your life sure. and for your health? Sure, sure. So, so our cells have two jobs. The first job of our cells is to be the best cell it can be, right? So our hair, hair cells be hair cells. Our skin cells be skin cells. Our 
you know, stomach cells be stomach cells. They're trying to be the best cells that they can. That's their first job. Well, we get new cells every couple of years. So the second job is for these cells to replicate themselves. They have to make copies of themselves. So if you can imagine each cell having its own copy machine and they're making copies, well, sometimes the copy machine goes crazy and it makes poor copies or maybe there's a jam in the copy machine. I hate okay? that. I worst. know. It's the, right. the worst. <laughs> and so the copy machine is making all these bad copies. Well, your TP53 gene is your copy repair man or woman that comes in and um, looks at all these bad copies and says, ooh, that's a bad cell. That's out of here. That's an abnormal cell. That's out of here. It's like a screening um, process that it goes that the cells go through. Well, my TP53 gene, who I like to call Karen, is a, <laughs> is a bitch, and um, <laughs> she's. Uh, I explain it to people like she's either drunk or she's out to lunch. Like she's not doing I her job. This. Typical Karen activities. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Like she's. She's either drunk or out to lunch and she's not <laughs> monitoring the copies that my cells are making. So mm. that um, causes bad cells to continue to live in my body and then they make cancer. Mm. Um, and so it usually surfaces in soft tissue, sarcomas, um, blood cancers, any cells that are fast growing and breast cancer or breast cells rather are soft tissue um mm. so um yeah that's how it works so, so is it this it sounds like you are it, you know i, I don't want to get too far ahead of the story here but like it sounds like you're the type of person who you know you go through treatment everything looks good you come out on the other end like quote unquote cancer free and very likely in a short period of time whatever that period of time may be, you're, you're likely going to be getting cancer again. Correct. So the, the probability of people who have Lefermini to get cancer again and again is really high. Fuck. It's m much yeah. higher than, than a normal person. Um, so I was diagnosed in 2017, six weeks after I got married, uh, one week after I turned 30 mm. And um, I was already stage three when we found out it already started to go in my lymph nodes. So is that we because had... is that because it's just like it, the like Karen's just off fucking like fucking off and drinking a bottle of vodka and and it's just replicating so fast that like by the time that you catch it, it's like, ah, fuck, it's already staged. Th like, is that why? Because because the leaf is causing it to replicate so quickly that the cancer is already so bad. It's part of it and also the type of cancer. So I had HER2 positive. Um, so it was, it, it all has to do with my hormones too. So there's just a, a it's a multifaceted issue. Mm. And uh, the hormones were feeding off or feeding the cancer and, you know, uh, making it live and replicate. And, and so there's just all these systems that are just not, they're not, they're all drunk. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, so yeah. I, 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 Taylor, were you going to stay on that point? Because I wanted to kind of like rewind a little bit because it, it's, it's sounding like, like Lee 
for me has obviously like long-term consequences and and it's sort of like like the thing that I, I think we're going to get to get to talking to more but but the breast cancer now seems like sort of where all things all began and I'm curious to to sort of go back to that that time like shortly after your wedding um when you go to see the the doctor like was did you do a, a self-exam and feel a lump or what was it that sort of did you have any inclination that you might have something uh, going wrong with your your boobs at the time? Well, uh, so I went for my annual in January. So every year, you know, you go for your annual to the girl doctor and he checks you out. Um, the thing about me is I've always had lumpy boobs. And so it's hard to tell what is what sometimes and so Wait, you hold have, on what sorry what does that mean lumpy boobs i don't think i've heard that i don't think i have what do you, you have, like do you mean like like lumps like like when you when you if you self-examined you feel like thicker tissue or like sure. more firm i get that okay yeah yeah i think i think i have lumpy balls <laughs> to, be, to be to be honest like to be fully honest with you i don't actually do but anyway that's neither here nor we there we can confirm sorry. later <laughs> yeah we'll confirm later uh sorry so yeah i've never heard that before lumpy boobs so so you 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 typically like always are kind of like eh, it could be but i don't know yeah yeah and hmm. so there's fibroids that happen that uh you know different cysts that that women have right. um uh, that's why a lot of times you guys, I honestly don't know the, the statistic on this, but a lot of times, uh, partners will find the, the lumps in their, in their partner's breast mm -hmm. because, you know, during intimacy time and all that, playing around and stuff. yeah, playing around and, and, um, they are like, wait, what's that? And mm. Hey, you need to go get that checked. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so we, you have to have a baseline and that's why it's really good to do self breast exams every month so that you can be familiar with your boobies. Right. Um, so I went in and he was feeling around and he was like, you know, this kind of feels odd. Um, you know, I'm not sure that the insurance company is going to, uh, uh, let you have a mammogram or pay for a mammogram rather, because usually they don't pay for them until you're over 40. Um, Whoa. Yeah, which is total BS. But and that's because of like the likelihood. Like it's just way, it's way less likely for breast cancer to develop in people under forty. Right, right. right. And so, and you don't know that you have a Lefermini at this point because there's no. been no right. Okay, man, yeah. I know that the insurance company probably does the math on that stuff and like figures what's the most economical thing for them to do. But it just seems like. It seems like to me that a mammogram would be cheaper than like finding out that somebody has breast cancer and has and like yeah. having to go through all the treatments and everything I mean, after that. It, I mean, not also, that it needs to be an economic thing anyway, but like it's hard I for just, us to wrap our heads around. I mean, it's just more challenging for us to perceive anyway because of the like we have just such different healthcare systems that like hmm. uh, our perception of like. Well, we, Insurance we haven't, companies covering <clears throat> stuff is very hard. <clears throat> we haven't said this, but uh, Whitney, uh, you are you are in Georgia, uh, the the beautiful state of Georgia in the United States, um, and of course the three of us up here in in the uh, Great White North of Canada. So yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there's someone listening going like, what's Taylor talking about? But yeah, if you, I mean, if you, if you didn't fucking pick up on Whitney's accent. Sorry, sorry, Whitney. So you were, you were saying that the insurance company, the, the doctor was saying that the insurance company might not cover it. Yeah. Yeah. He might not cover it, but we're going to try and all that. So I go in um, and I don't tell anyone that I have to 
go in. I don't tell my husband. I don't tell anybody. And so I, I go in uh, to get a mammogram and uh, they do they do the mammogram. And I they after the mammogram, they put me in a different room than when I started. And I was like, what the hell? Why are you putting me in a different room? So then um, the the doctor comes in and he's like, you know, I really want to take a few more pictures. And I'm like, all right, great. So go back in there and get my boobs smashed again and take more pictures. And uh, uh, he comes back in slowly and was like, yeah, we're going to um, we're going to have to do a biopsy on this because it's just not looking good. So, uh, yeah, let's go ahead and set that up. And I'm like, all right, great. So uh, set that up. And uh, for I think it was probably like three or four days later maybe a week later. I'm not really, it's all fuzzy at this point, but I remember the night before, um, I tell my husband that I have to go in to do a biopsy and he's like, what? Excuse me. Mm -hmm. And, um, I just, I just have a hard time. I don't like worrying people. I don't, I want to know what the hell I'm dealing with before I start making everybody sad and everything. And so, um, you know, tell them about that, go in there for the biopsy and, uh, get the results back. And, uh, yeah, turns out that it was breast cancer. So Fuck. yeah. When, when, when you, um, is that, so my mom had uh, bladder cancer and, um, you know, like I, I've had this conversation with her a couple of times now, but like she, she, doesn't really say much about like follow-up appointments or even the procedures that she was having um, during that time. And and I didn't really ask that much. Uh, like I, and I, and I say that because I'm, I want to take onus for, for, for that too. But, but um, it's hard because I understand that you don't want to like burden somebody else with the, the, you know, when you don't really know what's going on. Um, but I'm, I'm curious if it like weighed on you at that time. Like when you, when, when the doctor said to you, you're going to have to come back for a biopsy and it's, you know, four days or a week or whatever. Are, during that time, are you sort of carrying any um, weight knowing that you potentially have to go in for this? And, and like, did you, like, do you think that your husband could tell that something was off at the time or, or, or was it just sort of something that you thought very pragmatically about and was like, hey, this is the next step and I'm not going to worry until I find out what's really going on too? Yeah, the latter. Yeah, okay. I I was, I was, wait, I did not want to freak out until there was a reason to freak out. And quite honestly, y'all, I was, I just turned 30. I mean, what's the mm. worst that could happen? Mm. That's what I was thinking. Like, I, I mean, and I was, I, I'm relatively healthy. I mean, I do the right thing 80% of the time. So I'm like, <laughs> How in the world, you know, could this happen? But I will say this, uh, another reason why I, I didn't want to inform everybody just yet is we had lost my dad two years prior to a glioblastoma. And so we took care of him and we we did the whole, you know, we did clinical trials. And if you guys don't know anything about glioblastomas, I mean, you're automatically in stage four. You're automatically have a, I mean, they hand you a hospice pamphlet when you're walking out the door. And so, you know, for a year and a half, we were trying to, um, you know, 
care for him and, and do things with him and uh, go on trips and things like that. And then when he passed away in 2015, that was just a really big, you know, eye opening uh, experience for all of us because he died at 56. Um, and we just, that was very, very unexpected. And so mm. here comes two years later and I'm getting all this stuff done. And when it turns out cancer, like, honestly, I had so much anxiety about telling them. Yeah. Yeah. So much telling them, Hey, guess what guys, we have to do this whole cancer thing all over again. And now it's my turn. Oh. And it was just like, mm, we just got done with this shit. Like mm-hmm. just got done. So um, that was another layer of why I kind of kept that information to myself. <laughs> I always, and and I, I feel like that <laughs> provides a lot of context to the situation. I, because I, it's funny, we do the, we have these conversations on this podcast all the time with people who are diagnosed with different illnesses and diseases. And, and like that, that way that people interact with family members around that is, is such an interesting piece to me because I've, I've lived it personally in my life with, my mom and with, um, you know, talking to Jared about the challenges that he's been through with his cystic fibrosis. And so it's, you know, like every situation is so unique and people are comfortable, you know, sharing certain things in certain situations and not in others. And, and, and so like, I think that that's the thing that I've taken away from all of these conversations so much (laughs) is that like, you know, you have to respect the unique situation because, it's different for everybody and there's there's mm-hmm. there's like no right way to do it it's just whatever makes the most sense to you at the time and right. i think that's you you're just doing the best that you can mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah um so you you go through you go through breast cancer um and i know that this is breast cancer number 1 mm-hmm. uh, uh you what's the like you know what's the treatment process what what is the you know how do you get to the point of finding out that like, Hey, we like, we've, we've beat this with, with quotation marks behind that. Sure. Sure. Yeah. After six rounds of chemotherapy, um, and a double mastectomy, uh, I did not do radiation. The reason why I didn't do radiation is because people with Lee um, it's not advised for them to do radiation, traditional oh. radiation, because of damaging the cells around the thing that it's attacking. Because Karen can't fix them. Karen can't fix it. Fuck. And so I don't do radiation. I don't do that that common third step that everyone does. Um, So go through that uh, process. um, Then have to do targeted hormone therapy infusions every three weeks for a year. Um, oh, wow. I then followed that up by, um, a new drug that came out called Neuralinks, um, that makes you poop every day, uh, had to take those six pills every day. It's, it's, it's in the chemo drug family, but it's not, um, so strong that you have to go into the hospital to receive it. Mm-hmm. When and you say so, it makes you poop every day, do you just mean like more than usual or... <laughs> It just yeah. like you are guaranteed to have a bowel movement that day for sure. Oh, for sure. It's it causes the main symptom of it is is diarrhea. Oh, fun. Uh. <laughs> so I uh, um, never shared this publicly, but why not? Um, uh. I mean, I, I I drove a lot for my job, and so I had to you know carry. Uh, I always carried an extra set of clothes <laughs> in the car 
just in case because, you know, sometimes the mood hits you right and it's just like, oh, great, where's the the closest bathroom? Um, I never had an accident. Oh, it was a dream come true, but never had an accident. But I did that medicine for a year. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was it just made you feel like shit. I mean, it was just, you know, it it was whatever. So did that. And then I was done. So I finished that in August of um, I think. 2018 no 2019 finished that up and then uh take a couple months of a break had no medicine no treatment none of that and because i have lepromenia i have to have scans all the time so i have to have mris and full body mris and brain all that stuff um and uh they have to do a lot of monitoring well i go in for um uh my scan in 2019 december of November 2019, and they see another spot behind my left breast. So they call me. I'm at work. And, uh, you know, when you get that number, I don't know if you guys are, I mean, if if you know everyone that's been through this, that, uh, you know, when the doctor calls you and it's unknown caller, Mm -hmm. you look at it and you're like, shit, that's the doctor. And mm-hmm. if they're calling you, that doesn't mean it's good. Mm-hmm. So, so I answer it and she's like, yeah, we're seeing a spot. And I just start bawling, crying Ooh. so mad because I was just like, but I'm doing everything right. Like I'm, I'm doing all the things. I'm doing all the treatment. I'm taking all the pills. You know, I'm, I'm pooping. Like what, what, yeah, what, right. like what? I'm so what regular. Am- yeah. <laughs> yeah so. Why? When they when they say that they see a spot behind the left breast, did did you have the double mastectomy at that point? And like where like where would that be then? It yeah, it's definitely it's behind and in uh the the tissue that was left over. Um okay. so it was behind the implant that they put in. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so we're like, wow, okay, great. We go in and they're like, yep, we're going to have to, I don't think that you need to do chemotherapy. I think that my doctor uh, said at the time, I think that we can just do surgery and, and maybe some radiation, um, just a little bit, um, and keep it moving. Well, because I got cancer again in such a short period of time, and this is such a rare condition, my husband was very adamant about getting a second opinion. And uh, we went to Sloan uh, Memorial Kettering in New York, um, which is top in the top, you know, cancer centers, along with the Mayo Clinic and MD Anderson and all those all those cats. So we go to visit them and they give us a completely different treatment plan. Hmm. (laughs) They're like, nope, you got to do chemo again. We're recommending that you do chemo again, surgery and what's called proton therapy, which is like a targeted radiation pretty much so it doesn't do as much damage around um the area as traditional radiation would Mm -hmm. um so go to new york well then um we decided that we're going to work with you right so i do chemo here in augusta and um (coughs) do my surgery in augusta and then covid hit oh yeah oh so this is like this is like this is kind of early this year yeah. Yeah. Wow, yeah. Fuck. Then COVID hits and it just takes over New York. And so we're like, well, what are we going to do? Like we're mm. at, because there's only so many centers that have the proton beam therapy system in it. Like it's mm-hmm. right. It's right. a it's a newer thing. Mm. And so there's only so many places that have it. 
And so we're scrambling like, all right, well, where is a place that's not infested with COVID-19 that we can go to? And Halifax, Nova yes. Scotia. Yes. <laughs> not that's, anymore. Anymore. that's not, not the answer, right? Not anymore, but okay. no, 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 no. <laughs> we, Maybe we, don't have, we don't have proton beams here, you guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't even know what a proton is, man. <laughs> uh, we have con- uh, just just the continuum transfunctioners that are, but, yeah, but yeah. not a proton's a, pro- a, la- a proton beam is capacitor. a laser. Yeah, yep, yep. And so, well, we ended so up going to bro. Rochester, um, the Mayo Clinic in Rochester. Fox Rochester. Mm-hmm. That was yep. that was that Rochester was the, Fox. That was the Fox, the Fox Channel that we got. That we got as up kids. Here. Yeah. We got Rochester's. When you, yeah, Channel. and that's yeah. why we all say it Rochester, even yeah. when we when you would, can't when you not would, say it because we when we it would that way turn on <laughs> when we would turn on Fox to watch Simpsons. Yeah, it would like go to commercial, and they're like, "Up next on Fox Rochester." Yeah, dude. And, <laughs> and, 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 and local and I, Rochester news. And I never knew where Rochester was for years. And, and years. we're like, and "Why are like, we getting this TV Fox. station? Where's Fox. Rochester?" Yeah. yeah. Oh God, that's so hilarious. There, so there's that's our connection to Rochester. That's a throwback right there. Well, now I'm gonna say it that way for the rest of my life. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. So we ended up going there and we stayed there this summer um, for seven weeks. And on July 10th, um, I was, uh, you know, announced cancer free and um, yeah, came back and still doing targeted hormone therapy, still taking um, different medicines that I need to take. Um, But for the most part right now, we're just we're maintaining. And that's so, where you are right now. That's, I mean, <clears throat> that's pretty, um, it's funny because like I, I, I didn't have a timeline. And so when we were talking about this, I was thinking like, this is all very much kind of in the past, but I mean, you look like 28. So like it oh, fucking makes sense. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> it, but it makes sense. You know, it makes sense. It's like, oh, I, okay. I get it. Um, uh, I guess, I guess. So, the, you know, it, well, okay. Two, two things. First, the first thing is. Um, considering all this is like current, um, I think this is a really good place to drop our, our question from, uh, from Melanie, one of our longtime OG patrons who's been with us from like the day one. Can, uh, can I just say while, while we're bringing up Mel on the podcast, um, I had the pleasure of, uh, I'm so jealous. It, I, long story. I, but, uh, I had, I, when I was driving home from a canoe training camp from Florida, I was driving through the states, and Mel was uh, has been a longtime uh, patron, as Jeremy mentioned. And uh, so I was going through Salem, Massachusetts, and that's where Mel lives. And I She's had a witch. the the pleasure of meeting up with her and and having a beer, and it was the most delightful experience. And yeah. I am forever grateful for her support of the podcast and. Uh, being able to meet up with her because I hope <clears throat> I hope that that sometime we can bring the podcast to Massachusetts and and do a live show there because it's Salem's fucking amazing too. So yeah, and Georgia. Yeah, someday, I just I know? just wanted to uh, uh, say that because yeah, we don't want to leave Mel Georgia. You're listening, yeah. and uh, we love. Well, you. well, here's a question from the OG patron herself: um, Have you ever considered having children? And what are your thoughts on pre-implementation genetic diagnosis, if so? Um, so, yes, I have always wanted to be a mom. Uh, I always wanted to have 
tons of kids and do do that whole song and dance. Um, however, over the past couple of years, that has changed. Mm. Um, and not that I don't like kids at all. Uh, I love kids, but we, and when I say we, I'm talking about my husband and I, we, um, feel like our, the cards that we were dealt are meant to play a different game, if that makes Mm. sense. Um, (laughs) and so we are not having, that's not on the table for us right now anymore. Um, and people are like, well, Oh, you can adopt. And, and, Obviously, we could adopt, you know, for sure. Sure. But um, we just, I, we think it's unfair um, at this point to even consider doing the family thing when my health is kind of in this unstable place. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, and, and I think that's very fair to like, because I, I, from a, coming from a standpoint of, of, being pretty close to some people who have had who have wanted children but have had really challenged have a, had had a lot of challenges becoming pregnant, um, um, and the social pressure that like like even in even in how you describe that it's like when you when you say yeah you know what like it's not like we've been dealt these cards and we're playing a different game now people's initial inclination is to like find a workaround for you. Yeah. Instead of just going like, "Hey, that's okay that that's exactly. not mm-hmm. that that's not the case anymore," mm-hmm. and it's not it, that there's not just one option, and that and the the it's not that the only option is have kids or like or be unhappy or something like that. That and mm-hmm. I I, th- I just feel like there's a lot of social pressure in that way, and mm-hmm. so um, yeah, I I totally understand where you're where where you're coming from. In that <clears throat> I, I wanted to I wanted to ask like in in sort of like thinking thinking about the future in in that sense um, with Lee Fermini is is there like a probably a life expectancy isn't the right way to frame this but like it, do they say that like hey look you know given the fact that you have Lee Fermini there's a, a high likelihood that you'll get cancer and therefore you know you should consider <laughs> you know. Uh, what it would be like to have a shorter life expectancy or, or, you know, think about your own mortality a little bit more. Is, is there any sort of thoughts or ideas around that? Yeah. So we kind of came up with those thoughts and ideas on our own. Mm. Um, because quite honestly, y'all, we, we've educated our medical team about this condition more than they knew about it. I mean, this is, this is a brief paragraph that they learned in their medical books going to medical school. Like they, They're like, yeah, I think I heard about that. And so they've had to teach themselves more about this. Mm -hmm. Um, Even when we went to Sloan Kettering in the Mayo Clinic, they were still, I mean, those were the top doctors, you know, in the country and um, some in the world. And they were learning. They're like, I've only had one or two patients that have had this issue. So we've um, had, you know, it's conversations like that. are tough when it comes to treatment ideas. Like we've, my husband and I have had to have some really, really serious, Hey, which shark are we going to attack? That's closest to the boat now. Like which one, what are we going to do? Um, one of the biggest realizations, uh, that I had, and I didn't have it until I started talking about out loud is we, uh, we went to go see a financial advisor because we, we have some student debt and we, you know, wanted to, 
start figuring out a budget and how we're going to live our life now and all those things. So we go see a financial advisor and he comes, he's all excited and he sits down at the table with us and he's has his you know portfolio and his ideas and all this stuff. And he starts talking. He's like, yeah, by the time you're 60, um, you know, you can do this if you do these things and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And so after he does his spiel, I look at my husband and then I look at him. I said, well, here's a thing. I said, um, you know, based on what I have, because of the likelihood of me going through treatment again and again, Hmm. um, you know, my life, I'm not planning for retirement right now. Like I'm not looking at how to, how to set up my life for when I'm 65. Hmm. That's just not, I'm not, a lot of people are doing that. We're not doing that Mm -hmm. because of this issue. And he was kind of perplexed and kind of looked at me sideways. And then my husband kind of piped up and was like, do you understand what she's saying? Do you get what's happening? And then he goes into explaining what Leafermini is and whatever. And he sat back in his chair and he was just like, oh, um, okay. So we're, we're planning on like what we're doing in our forties and fifties and early sixties. And and I I was like, yeah, yeah, we want to, we want to have some fun, but we want to do it responsibly. And that's why we're here. So um, he had to go back to the drawing board and rethink his proposal uh, to us. And so when that happened, I was like, well, dang, yeah, no, that is how we have to, that is yeah. how we have to view this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny sure. because like that, I relate to that so much in the sense that I never handled it that way, but like, you know, like, so like to me, it's uh, like, and, 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 you know, not to make this about me, but like, just, just to, it's, it's odd to hear. You're the first person I've heard who's described trying to think about and approach your financial, financial security and financial future in a responsible manner, but also in a way that is taking into consideration the fact that you might not live as long as you had anticipated and and it is possible to do that but to do it in a way like you know to do it in a, a way that's like really um <clears throat> to approach it in a way where it makes sense and where it it's it feels responsible but also like but also ensuring that you make the most of the out of the time you have whereas like in my case I've always been like retirement fund what retirement fund i'll never live long enough and now you know now i'm like 32 and i'm going oh fuck there's this new miracle drug and if if i get that drug which i want obviously but also if i get it i'm not gonna be doing too good in in like my in my 50s like what the fuck what the fuck man i wasn't planning on this you know so it's like there are ways also ways to do this like smartly also i mean also i mean this and this is something that from a financial perspective, not just people who like may or may not live shorter lives, but everybody. I mean, when you, when you carry debt as an individual, that debt, oftentimes it doesn't just get, it doesn't go away. It goes to somebody and somebody becomes yeah. responsible for yeah. that. So yeah. Um, it's, it's, yeah. it's interesting because I was thinking about the, like the, the banker in that situation and like, like how, you know, we all have these jobs where we're, we sort of like, 
live our lives sort of ignorantly bliss to the fact that, that other people are dealing with these like really mm. fucking massive challenges and like you know just to go in there and assume like all right here just another client like aiming to fucking put some money away for 30 years from now here we go but it, i wonder it, it, I, I wonder if he approached that like you know if he sees <laughs> that he comes in he's like all right have i got the have i got the plan for you and he puts out his like his elevator pitch and you guys are like but I have cancer. And he goes, he, and like, I'm wondering if he went, oh, fuck. <laughs> I, now I can't phone it in anymore. Or if, or if he was like, or if he's that kind of worker where he's like, oh, amazing, a beautiful opportunity to like dig deeper into the job that I truly love to do. You know, like, oh, I, hope, I hope it's, I hope it's that one. That would yeah, be wonderful. <laughs> it would be. But it is crazy how like it could affect, like, like it affects everybody and the work yeah. that you do. Whether you think that yeah. like you d- have to deal with this these things like this or not so anyway I just wanted to make that point think of your favorite one hit wonder or that overpriced toy your parents would never let you have or that TV show that no one else remembers because it was cancelled way too soon now what if we could fix it I'm Francesca Ramsey. And I'm Delon Grant. And after 20 years of friendship, we are now hosting a new nostalgia podcast called Let Me Fix It. Each episode, we'll dig into our favorite celebrities, shows, and brands of yesteryear, and then imagine what it would take to repackage them for relevance today. Think of our show as an intervention, but with way less stakes. So subscribe to Let Me Fix It wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I wanted to ask you, Whitney, um, is there, and and if you don't... um, and if you don't, uh, this isn't necessarily pertaining to your exact to your your individual situation. But um, with Lee Fermini, if if so, in the way that it works, in the way that you are the cell, the 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 there's a there's a genetic mutation that is that is not allowing you to uh, basically take care of the cells that will eventually become cancerous or mm-hmm. that c- can become cancerous. Um, in somebody who doesn't have Lee Fermini. And they develop cancer, which obviously there are millions of, of, of people that that happens to. Is 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 sort of the same thing happening, but but like almost like anecdotally, like it's only happening at that time. And then if you take care of it, it could then st- you know Karen goes away, mm-hmm. and and you know and that's that. And they might not develop cancer at, for the rest of their lives, or you know maybe they do, but it's like you know, at a, like way down the road. Whereas with Lee Fermini, it's like Karen's always Karen and she's always there fucking shit up. Yeah. Yeah. So Karen doesn't show up probably for you until much later when you're, and, and then Karen gets old and she's not, you know, able to repair your copy machine in your cells and your copy machine gets old. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, with, and then when you're um, copying these cells over and over and over, then it's easier for abnormal cells to just do their thing. And so that's why, I mean, honestly, I thought that cancer was only prevalent in old people. Like, <laughs> I mean, I, I've never met anyone my age that mm-hmm. had breast cancer. I, I, you know, so I, I uh, had, I struggled with trying to find a community that could support mm-hmm. me um, in that way. And so, yes, um, it's for you, your copy machine is just going to, um, pretty much die out as you, as you get older. Um, whereas mine, it just, 
it just sucks right now. Right. So, there from the beginning. I want to just, <clears throat> I want to jump on something you said there, which was like that you were shocked that you thought that cancer was just for old people and that you've never really met anyone your age who's been in the same scenario as you. And, <clears throat> you know, the, one of the great things about our show is that like we, we spend a lot of time speaking to people that have had similar situations to yourself. You know, we, we've had a lot of like young adult cancer survivors on the show and for people who listen to the show, um, you know, a lot and have heard those stories to hear someone like you say that <clears throat> might seem a bit kind of weird to them. Cause it's like, well, that no, seems like there's a fucking lot of you, like they're all on sick point. Um, <laughs> but, <clears throat> but one of the, you know, like one of the, <clears throat> one of the, I was thinking the same thing. Actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> it seems kind of common <laughs> from where we stand. <laughs> but the, the reality, the reality of it is, is that, you know, and, and, and I, this really hit home for me uh, in the work that I used to do for athletes for cancer, which is a, um, a not-for-profit that would run cancer camps for young adults that have survived cancer. And the the common thread there with all of the people that we would bring to these camps is like these people are coming from all over the United States, sometimes from Canada. They range in age from, you know, 18 to 39. And every single one of them would show up and be tossed into a group of like 20 individuals within their their sort of respective age range and all of them are like are overwhelmed with emotion because it's the first time that they've been in the same space as somebody yeah. who has been through something that they've been through who's who is in the same age as them and and to hear like you know to hear so many of their stories of people who go in for, for chemo treatment and they sit down in that, like in that chair and get hooked up to the chemo and they look to the right and it's like this, you know, this like 80 year old man and they look to their left and it's this, you know, 69 year old woman and they're sitting there going, I'm 25. Like, what the fuck am I doing here? Mm -hmm. this is, like, this doesn't compute. This doesn't add up. And so for, you know, for a lot of people who, who go through cancer, I mean, you know, this is the same with Brandon, you know, um, uh, I mean, like you name the guests that we've had, a lot of those people mm -hmm. at, feel so isolated in that mm -hmm. experience because it, it is not, it is not, uh, it is not that common, even though it might seem like that by, by subscribing and listening to the show. And so, and, and there's, I mean, th then there's the whole like host full of mental, mental health, um, implications that come with that of, of, of those feelings of isolation or feeling alone when you're going through something as, as dramatic and, and as, as serious as cancer. So were um, you able to find, were you able to find a community? Is there, is there a particular place where, where that happened for you or is it still, kind of lacking in, in that sense. So the first time I went through cancer, I honestly didn't reach out a whole lot to try to find a community. I got pamphlets in the mail for different support groups, like, um, the pink pistols and the, um, forgot what the other one was called, but one group was 45 and younger. And the other group was 46 and older. <laughs> and I never went, I never went to any of those. Not that I, was avoiding going to a support group, 
Um, I actually am a licensed mental health therapist too. So, um, you know, I, I, I love support groups. I'm a big supporter of them. Um, but honestly, y'all, the first time around, I was so much in fight mode and I was in like, all right, we got to get this done. I got to survive this so that I can move on with my life so that I can be a newlywed so that my family doesn't have to worry about this crap anymore. Let's just keep it moving. Let's keep it moving. And I had so much support, so much support um, from my family, from my husband's family, from my friends. Um, so in a sense, I I had the support that I needed as far as um emotional support. Now, as far as like realizations for what survivorship looks like now and for what your body's going to look like now and what you're, uh, what you're going to feel like after cancer treatment, those kinds of things have been a huge, huge, huge adjustment the second time around for me. Um, my mental health was definitely, um, tested the second time more than the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, just because of me adapting, my body looking different, me, you know, wondering why this has happened again, um, feeling different hormones all over the place, um, feeling crazy when you know you're not crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and so it's it's just been in the survivorship part has been interesting. And um, you know, the community part is growing um through <laughs> Through my business that I started, the Booby Queen Company, which I know we'll talk about when we start talking about boobs. Well, we've talked about boobs, but, you know, like, booby boob boobs. Um, (laughs) But anyway, so, you know, figuring out that community and reaching out to people online and and really learning about uh, young breast cancer and and, uh, talking to other women that are going through the same thing has just been so Mm. amazing and helpful. And that's why, you know, podcasts like this are so important because you're providing education, but you're also providing a layer of support and feeling, making people feel like they're not alone. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's just so important. (laughs) And, Um, I know that you guys, you know, talk and interviewed people all the time. And so, again, for you, it's, you know, you you think that the support's already there, but um, it's not as much as we think it is. Mm. So, Um, so you, you know, you just touched on it there, but uh, in every, in everything that we've been sent from Lauren, who, uh, who works tirelessly in the background to set up our, our interviews, um, uh, your, your, your name in everything that's been sent to us, the call sheet, all that stuff is just Whitney, the booby queen, uh, and which I, I'm pretty sure we're just going to title this episode, Whitney, the booby queen. Um, tell us what, uh, what is booby queen and how did it originate? Yeah. Well, um, so funny story about that is I've actually been nicknamed the booby queen since I was about 14 years old. <laughs> wow. Cool. <laughs> Uh, so I hit puberty before everybody else. I had ginormous knockers uh, before. <laughs> I mean, in middle school, I was the girl wearing double sports bras, having to get like custom made dresses because my boobs were so big. Um, and so, you know, none of my friends had that issue. And but I did. And uh, one day we were uh, or one weekend we were on a um, girl's trip. I was 14. 
we were on a girl's trip. We went to the beach and we were all getting ready to go to dinner and uh, had my clothes laid out on the bed. And one of my girlfriends walks by and she picks up my bra and she goes, oh my God, Whitney, do you have to wear this? And I was like, yeah, yeah. Welcome to my world. She's like, oh my God, you're like the you're like the queen of boobs. <laughs> and so I took the brawl and at that moment I put it on my head and I just posed <laughs> and I was like, okay, booby queen. That seems right. Mm-hmm. And so ever since then, my friends nicknamed me the booby queen. They made me, you know, brawl crowns and all that kind of stuff. And uh, even when I got married on my bachelorette trip, they made like a bride booby booby crown for me and and all that and uh when i uh went on my very first breast cancer walk i made booby crowns for all my friends and myself and we just did our breast cancer walk and i had so many people come up to me and they were like oh my gosh can i take my picture with you this is amazing how did you this is so great you look great and i kept thinking has no one done this before like has no one <laughs> put a brawl on their head like how am i i've done that exactly <laughs> like how is this not a thing i don't understand and so as i um, went through treatment i realized there was so many people y'all so many um people in the treatment room at the doctor's office that they were doing this alone they were talking to the doctor alone they were hearing news alone they were um, you know, getting chemo alone. They were uh, having to get rides for them to come and get them when they were done. I didn't have any of those issues. And so I was like, well, hell, I'm, I'm not the only booby queen out there. There's tons of booby queens. And so I was like, hmm, I wonder if I can start a business where I somehow sell and donate booby crowns and I'll make them really pretty. And um, just remind women that they're a queen just to mm-hmm. help them through this process and make them laugh and, you know, make them smile or whatever. And so um, slowly but surely, um, I started this business and it's a one for one. Like you buy one for your loved one and then I donate one. I have I donate to the hospital that I go to, um, the Mayo Clinic, I send them, baby, they love, they loved it up there. <laughs> when I went up there, I sent it to them. And um, there's a lot of people online that I have, I've come in contact with that have nonprofits and I'll send them um, some crowns. Um, and so it's, it's just me for right now. It's very new. It's been, I've been doing it for about a year. The pandemic has kind of slowed things down um for me but i'm 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 okay with that um i i have big plans for the booby queen company for sure uh i want to do all kinds of fun stuff because i think Mm. that it's i think it's important to not just have the attitude of in the breast cancer world i'm sure y'all have heard it you know you're a warrior you know you are Mm. fighting the good fight and and all of that and and while a lot of that's true um there's a lot of booby queens that fought the good fight and still didn't make it and they're not with us. And so booby queen is about embracing what is, cause that's what I have to do. I have to embrace mm. what is, um, embrace what is be a queen right now, be present, all that fun stuff and, and figure out a way to celebrate through this BS of cancer 
through all the treatment, how can we figure out a way to celebrate? And I just choose to do that with underwear on my head. <laughs> That's I'm, really I'm, awesome. I'm looking at the pictures right now on your website and it's, they're amazing. They're yeah, so, I mean, they're, look at this. <laughs> well, oh, yeah. yeah. So awesome. <laughs> you know what I can't not think about is, um, is li- so in little weird. Nikki. Um, yes. Uh, yes, that's what that dude. I had Nikki. that image in my head, and I was like, okay. "Where is that image coming from?" It's little Nikki, and it's uh, it's uh, Kevin. Um, it's Kevin, Kevin Smith, or not? So, not, no, not Kevin Smith. Kevin, uh, Kevin uh, Nealon. Kevin Nealon. Right. Kevin right. Nealon is. Uh, I think it's Kevin Nealon's character. Yeah, he's he's like in hell, and he's basically he's basically portraying like the Bram Stoker's. A Bram Stoker's Dracula, like who, like with that hair piece, that like that uh-huh. big hair piece that kind of looks like two lumps, but he's in hell and he actually just has two giant tits on his head and, <laughs> and wears and wears a bra, wears a bra. I'm that's gonna put, right. I'm, I'm gonna drop it in the chat so you guys. It's can very see very it, funny. I have that exact same image. I think you, I think that's uh, yeah, really. I think that's so. I mean, in the way that you know, we were just talking about community and you know, like it. It is like that's that's an incredible way of like of creating community and, and, and putting a spin on, putting a spin on, on the experience of going through breast cancer that like, I mean, that's just what like, that's just what like individual ingenuity is all about seeing something that is lacking and then like seeing a gap and then filling it with, with your creativity and uh, and creativity that comes with that, I think that's so cool. Also, the Ooh. the humor, just wearing a, yeah. a a bra on your head—that's pretty funny yeah. too. But the yes. the 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 thing that I find it so wild is that you were the booby queen before. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you yeah. had you had breast cancer. Like, what what was that? Like the irony. I imagine like telling your friends about it and being like, "Hey, the booby queen has breast cancer." Like, what was that? did everybody go, what the fuck? Are you kidding me? That's crazy. Yeah. When I told them I had, I have uh, four very best friends that we all, we've known each other since elementary school. And um, they're the ones that uh, they've been in my wedding and, you know, did the walk with me. They organized that walk for me, all that kind of stuff. So I had them on a group uh, phone call and told them all at once. And one of them cut me off when I was like, I have breast cancer and, shut up, stop, stop doing this. You know, it's like, cause yeah. you know, the booby queen is kind of going to take a, it's going to take a new meaning now y'all. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And honestly, I mean, this may sound a little corny, but um, it, it just feels right. Like it just feels like it's, I feel like I'm coming a little full circle on, mm. on this. Um, I had a, a job, uh, um, in a, a really great job, uh, working at a, a mental health um, crisis stabilization facility, um, and quit that job in September during this damn Whoa. pandemic. And I just really feel that, I don't know. I just think <clears throat> booby queen needs to take over the world. And so <laughs> I, uh, I get, I have so much fun getting pictures from women that ring the bell and they have their crown mm. on or they're mm. sick in bed and they have their crown on. They're like, I hate life, but I love my crown, you know? Mm. And so that kind of stuff, like, <clears throat> I mean, honestly, I'd be happy to take a huge pay cut just to get those pictures. And, and mm. I, I never thought that I'd, I'd think that way, but um, honestly, it, it's, it's been an interesting shift and it's been a really fun shift to, mm. to do it. So 
So where can people uh, where can people find Booby Queen? Where can people follow along with uh, with everything that that is Booby Queen? Yeah, so you can go to boobycrowns.com. Um, that's my website that I have the shop, the crown shop on there that you can order a booby crown. Um, you can follow me on Instagram, uh, uh, booby queen chronicles. And on Facebook, if you just uh, go to the booby queen company, you can check out the, the Facebook page. Um, yeah, and follow all my shenanigans. That's awesome. And and if you're um, near a computer or have your phone that accesses the internet, come on, guys, everybody does right now. You're probably listening to this podcast <laughs> on that device right now. You should definitely go to mm-hmm. boobycrowns.com and check out some of the pictures <clears throat> of these crowns because they are incredible. Thanks, um, man. <laughs> Whitney, uh, I want to, before we wrap, I want to ask you a question, a two part question that we ask a lot of our guests. Um, sure. uh, it, the first part is, out of everything you've gone through, what would you say is the biggest thing that Lee from any or and breast cancer has taken away from you? Ooh, taken away from me. Um, hmm. It has taken away. it's taken away the traditional life that I thought that I was going to have. Um, honestly, after getting married, I thought, okay, well, we're going to do this and we're going to have some kids and then we're going to do this and I'm going to have a good job and we're going to do this, this, and this. And that's kind of what I grew up thinking that that was what my life was going to look like. Um, so I had to do a little bit of grieving to realize that that is not the direction that it's going to go and that's okay. Um, but it did take, it did take that, that narrative, I guess, away from me. What would you say is the biggest thing that it's given you? Um, it has given me the excuse to celebrate a whole lot more. Um, I think with when you have something like this, you know, people are always saying, you know, just stay positive and look for the silver lining and that kind of thing. Well, a lot of times there's there's not an obvious silver lining. There's mm. just not. And so for me, creating your own silver lining creating your own excuse to celebrate, even if it's having champagne on a Tuesday for, for no reason, do it. Um, we're going to go get a Christmas tree later on today. And I already have a chilled champagne bottle (laughs) ready to pop for when we get our Christmas tree, because we got a Christmas tree. Did I do that before? Not really. Didn't even think about it, but, um, I would say that's the biggest thing that's given us because it's, it's made us celebrate a whole lot more. Mm. Well, Whitney, I got to say, this has been an absolute pleasure to sit down and chat with you and to hear all things Booby Queen. Um, And again, folks, uh, take a moment out of your day today to go check out Booby Queen online. Uh, You will not regret it. Whitney, (laughs) thank you so, so much. This has been really, really fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank y'all. I appreciate what you do and I appreciate the education that you provide. It's really, really important. And I didn't realize how important it was until it happened to me. And so 
thank you for just being support and making people laugh. God. Hey, right back at you. Right <laughs> yeah. back at Absolutely. you. Just saying. <laughs> thank you so much. Whitney. Thanks, Whitney. Thanks, Whitney. Yep. Appreciate it. All right, folks, that is it. And that is all. Thank you for tuning in. As always, we are coming to you with new episodes every Monday and Friday for your Sick Boy Fix. And you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. But if you can't get enough, why not follow us over on Instagram or on Twitter at Sick Boy Podcast? And why am I doing this all alone? Where did Brian and Jeremy go? I'm. Uh, that's okay. I mean, I'm obviously your, your favorite anyway. So you're welcome. If you have any questions, comments, or you'd like us to read anything on the show, like a cool story that you have for us, uh, or if you want to apply, go to sickboypodcast.com slash contact. That's if you want to apply to be on the show. And for those stories, you can send them to, to us directly at letters at sickboypodcast.com. Sick Boy is co-produced by Jeremy Saunders, Lauren Sankey, myself, Taylor McGilvery, and the lovely and affable Brian Stever. Our social media is run by the incredible Lauren Sankey, is managed by Jeff Lonis, the one and only, and sound design done by none other than Donovan, the CPAP Morgan. Music is brought to you by both Rich O'Coin and Take Part. We love you, giving us our jams every week. Thank you, everybody, for listening once again, and we'll see you next time. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.